Welcome to the Path to Freedom podcast. I'm your host, Wes Barefoot, where it's my mission to help aspiring entrepreneurs and existing business owners take control of their lives and create freedom for themselves through business ownership. Each episode, I'll be exploring the strategies and tactics of other successful entrepreneurs that have created freedom in their own lives while sharing what I'm learning along my own path to freedom. I'm glad you're here. Let's drop in. What's up? And thank you for dropping in to another episode of the Path to Freedom podcast. This is episode 109. I'm joined today by Scott Marr, who's the founder and CEO of Koala Insulation, and now Wallaby Windows, his newest franchise concept that he's launched. Scott and I have known each other for a while now. Koala Insulation is actually one of the brands that my wife and I own, and we've been franchisees with Koala for coming up on two years now. So I've had the privilege of getting to know Scott pretty well over the last couple of years, working with him in Koala Insulation, and have an incredible amount of respect for Scott, his leadership, his vision, And Scott brings a tremendous amount of experience in franchising to the table, having successfully launched, built, and exited another franchise brand prior even to Koala Insulation. So today we're talking about Wallaby Windows, which again is the new franchise concept that Scott and his team have recently launched. So with that, let's go ahead and drop in with my good friend, Scott Moore and Wallaby Windows. Scott's first appearance on the podcast. He's one of only a handful of people uh, that are making a second appearance on the show, but for very good reason. So uh, just as as kind of a quick introduction, and then I'll let Scott add some color to this, but uh, Scott is the founder and CEO of Koala Insulation, which is one of the brands my wife and I own. Uh, we've been in that business and uh, partners with Scott for coming up on two years now. Um, But Scott is also launching a new franchise venture called Wallaby Windows, which is what we're going to spend the majority of our time talking about today. So, Scott, thank you for dropping in, man. Awesome. Appreciate you having me on, Wes. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And just just as kind of a refresher, Scott was on the podcast probably a year or so ago, maybe even a little bit longer ago than that, uh, where we talked a lot about Koala Insulation Um, So I'll post that episode in the show notes in case anyone wants to go back and listen to that and learn more about the Koala brand. Uh, Scott also shares a lot of his kind of up and coming story in that episode as well, which is a very, very interesting story. But, you know, with that, Scott, just, you know, give us a little bit of background for those that, you know, maybe didn't hear that that previous episode or aren't familiar with you. You know, how did you get to the point of, you know, now launching what is your third franchise concept? Sure. Absolutely. So I started my first business when I was really young. I've really been an entrepreneur my whole life. I, my first business, I started at 15 and that became a uh, a franchise concept that is known today as Fleet Clean USA. And that was a mobile truck washing business. And our customers were companies like Penske, uh, Truck Rental and Coca-Cola, Pepsi, so on and so forth. And we ended up having over 3,500 corporate customers in, in that business over time. And uh, yeah, so so ended up, uh, I was in that business for you know 10 years and was really just ready to switch gears, do something different, do something new. And so knew that I wanted to be in home services and learned of insulation. Insulation's out of sight, out of mind, but learned of insulation and decided that it was something that I really wanted to pursue. Uh, and franchising, I, I knew that I wanted to do something in franchising for sure. And uh, so just uh, just landed on insulation. And then, you know, here we are having, you know, operated Koala now for, shoot, uh, been, in, been in the insulation business now for about four and a half years, franchising it for three, a little over three years now. And uh, yeah, decided to uh, to start to to focus on the window business as well. So we're running the insulation business and, and the window business in parallel. So they're think of them as, you know, sister concepts to one another. Yeah. 
Yeah, which which makes a lot of sense. I think there's a lot of synergy, you know, between the insulation and, and the windows, which we'll get into. But I remember the first time you were on the show talking about, you know, when you started Fleet Clean only being 15 and you had to like, you know, convince one of your friends or someone to drive you around, you know, as you were making sales calls and and trying to build the business. So and and Scott's modest. So so I'll brag on on Scott a little <laughs> bit since he won't do it himself, but you know, Fleet Clean, you built that up to, you know, a large national franchise and you were actually able to exit that business. And so if you were in the business for about 10 years, that means you built and exited a franchise system before most people are even old enough or aware enough to know what a franchise is. So pretty impressive in itself. And um, and then Koala Insulation has been a phenomenal uh, success up to this point as well. Um, I don't even know what the total number is, but, you know, hundreds of territories in operation across the country and and franchisees are doing really, really well. You know, it's it's a good business. And I enjoy looking at our sales board and, you know, just seeing more and more franchisees putting up incredible revenue numbers month over month. So fantastic um, business. And, you know, as we've already mentioned, you're taking all of this experience that you've garnered up to this point and now launching Wallaby Windows. So what is what is Wallaby Windows? I mean, the name's somewhat self-explanatory, but what what are the actual uh, services that the franchisees will be providing? Yeah, so we do window and door replacement. So primarily focusing on the retrofit side, I feel like there's massive tailwinds in the retrofit industry. Um, and so, so what we do is we go into older homes that, you know, maybe have single pane windows or, you know, or, or, or doors that are, um, you know, just not very good style or whatnot. And, and we go in basically remove all the old, uh, all the old windows and doors, and then just replace them with new windows and doors. And, um, it's a pretty, pretty simple, pretty vanilla concept. Um, it's not hard to understand and, and it just made a lot of sense for us to continue to focus on, you know, the efficiency of the building envelope. Naturally, um, you know, insulation is, is all about improving comfort and, and increasing efficiency. And so windows and doors, you know, just, just very synergistic concepts to one another. Yeah, definitely with, with kind of the focus on, on energy efficiency, um, so, you know, look, the, the window industry, windows and doors, that's that's obviously a huge category, right, of a massive industry. Sure. And and this is an emerging, you know, brand as of this time. Um, I believe you started piloting it, piloting the business, what, about a year ago? Is that right? Yeah. So it was a, it was just an idea back in the summer of 2021. And at that point, we had been in Koala about 18 months or so. And, uh, in, in terms of franchising it. So, yeah. um, so, so we started to really think about what, uh, you know, what a window and door replacement concept would look like. And, uh, so yeah, started that in, in the, in the summer of 21, by the end of 21, it was, uh, that, that vision was a reality and we began, uh, marketing in December of 21. And then we began doing our first um, estimates and and window and door replacements in January of 22. And and I know just from talking with you that, you know, that first year, your first full year in business from kind of a cold start was, was very successful. But, you know, I, I want to get your thoughts because, you know, I work with a lot of these home service brands and, you know, personally, I love these types of businesses. You know, the franchises that we own are, are in this home uh, home services, home improvement kind of category, but a lot of people that, you know, maybe haven't spent a lot of time looking into different business opportunities, uh, in these types of industries, you know, may look at something like windows and doors and say, well, it's already such a big industry. There's already some big players in this industry, you know, ton of competition, you know, why would it make sense for someone else to try to break into this industry? Um, and, and I know you, in fact, you mentioned this, you know, as we were chatting a little bit before we started recording, you know, whether it's insulation, whether it's windows and doors, even though you may personally not have 
a ton of experience in these industries, you know, you're confident in yourself and the teams that you've built that, you know, you can break into an industry, you know, grab some market share pretty quickly and and build a very successful business. So, you know, what is it that you see as you look at the the landscape in the windows and doors industry and say, hey, there's opportunity here. There's opportunity for us to build, you know, a, a great franchise brand, but actually, you know, maybe deliver value in a different way to customers than what they uh, are, are maybe accustomed to getting. Sure. So uh, windows and doors are, are an interesting category because it's something that people see every single day. And it's also something that improves efficiency and comfort. So it's a need and a want, mm. which is really an exciting, you know, item for me. It's an exciting category. Uh, so what we try to do when we go into a space is, is we really try to think about where we want to sit in terms of, of, uh, you know, our, our level of, you know, of quality and price point and, 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 you know, what do we stand for? And, you know, in a, in a franchise system, you know, franchise partners are going to have to pay a royalty. So we always have to think about that as an increased cost. And so, but at the same time, we don't necessarily want to sit in the most expensive, uh, you know, the most expensive end of, of a space because it just makes it that much tougher to, you know, to make sales. And so we like to sit, you know, and, and really sit right kind of in the middle on the price scale. We're not the cheapest, we're not the most expensive, but how can we do that uh, with a franchisee still having to pay uh, a royalty? And so, we really focus on the customer experience um, and really, you know, how can we add value to, you know, someone looking to replace their windows and doors and, and, you know, in a way other than price point, because there's always going to be someone that's going to be less expensive out there. Um, And that's just, that's just the reality. Uh, We're in one of the toughest markets for window and door replacement in the country in Florida. Uh, Coastal environments have extreme, regulation in Florida, um, due to, you know, the, the, you know, the, the nature of hurricanes and, mm-hmm. and wind storms and whatnot that, that come through the state. So, um, you know, we just focus on, you know, providing a really great customer experience. Um, we, um, you know, and, and, and sure there is, com- uh, competition in this space. Uh, there's competition in insulation. There's really going to be competition in pretty much any, uh, you know, any home service category. And that's okay. What that means is if there's competition, that also means there's money to be made. That also means that there's a, there's a need for the service. Um, so we, um, you know, we focus on, on, you know, giving the customer a really great experience. Um, you know, we compete against, uh, you know, other companies, uh, that, uh, that do window and door replacement. So mom and pops, we also compete against like renewal by Anderson. And, and we've heard, you know, the name Pella once or twice. Yeah, um, and those are, those are all, <laughs> those are all companies that, that, you know, that we hear about and, and compete with, um, you know, some of those sit at the very highest end of the price spectrum. Um, and those might just be out of reach for most customers. Um, mm-hmm. there's some customers that are going to say, no, I want that brand name and that's fine. That's great. We don't have to have every customer. We just have to have a, a small sliver of customers. So, uh, to, to have a good business. So, uh, so that's, you know, that's really what, uh, you know, what we're focused on as an organization um, with Wallaby being a, a fully subcontracted install model. You know, we really put a lot of emphasis on the customer experience as it relates to the install. So we try to prep the customer for what install day looks like mm-hmm. in advance of, of, you know, having the installers come out. And you know, start to collapse old windows and 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 begin to put their new windows in, um, and and what we found is that communication has uh, has been really valuable. Customers appreciate that, and um, and so you know, so far we've had really really great experiences. Um, customers have had really great experiences. Very few exceptions to that, um, and we have you know we've got wonderful reviews. So uh, just. Really, really great space to be in, and and you know we 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 knew nothing about windows and doors. I say nothing. We knew very little about windows and doors prior to you know prior to investigating it for you know to for, for the launch of Wallaby, 
And, uh, and so we, you know, we came out of the gate with this concept, just, just smoking with, uh, with the revenue opportunities that exist. Yeah. Well, a couple things. So, so on that point, <laughs> you know, one thing that I, I really like because, you know, in my world as, as a franchise consultant, I'm always getting introduced to new brands, right? And, and that could be just a new brand to me that I haven't previously had a relationship with. But, you know, I also get introduced to a lot of what I refer to as emerging brands. And, you know, there's a lot of potential upside to getting into a really good emerging concept early. Uh, but in a lot of people's eyes too, there's there's also potentially more risk that goes with that because there's just not as much of a track record. There's not as much data in terms of what other franchisees have been able to do. But I like the fact that, you know, when you decided you wanted to get into this space, you set it up yourself and, and you know, built it from the ground up. Whereas a lot of emerging brands that I see uh, you know, if it is an experienced franchisor like yourself that says, hey, I want to be in, I want to get into this industry, think there's a lot of potential, et cetera, they, they go out and they acquire a business that's already in that space where, you know, they feel like the the business has got some good systems and processes. Maybe there's a, a founder of the business that that could be looked at as kind of an industry expert. And, and that's their starting point, which is not a bad thing in, in a lot of ways, but when it comes to you know really bringing those that first wave of franchisees in those early adopters you know there's there's information that has to be shared with a prospective franchisee and a lot of times you know that involves financial performance information from the original location that was acquired and you know if that's a business that's been around for 5 8 10 years or maybe longer i think in some cases that can be a little bit difficult for someone to, to really look at that and say, okay, maybe their numbers look good, but realistically, how long is it going to take me to replicate, you know, what they've built over, you know, a much longer period of time. So I think, you know, from the, the standpoint of a prospective franchisee evaluating the opportunity to be able to look at something like Wallaby, you know, see what you've been able to do in the first year or so of, of that business, but also knowing that there wasn't anything there before, you started building it. So wanted to kind of point that out to the listeners, because in my eyes, that's, that's a big difference and and definitely a positive. Um, and in terms of the, the, you know, competition, I love that you pointed out, you know, that, that one of the key ways a brand like Wallaby can um, excel and take some market shares, just simply providing a better customer experience. And, you know, I talked to a lot of people about franchises. A lot of times when, anything in the home services or home improvement category is brought up, you kind of see this confused look on their face. Like, well, it's, it's windows and doors. Like how many different ways are there to do windows and doors? Well, not, not that many, right? You have to be good at that part, but where there's usually so much opportunity is to make the whole process a better experience for the clients. And I think you hit the nail on the head with the communication piece. I mean, most homeowners are going to have one, if not multiple horrible experiences that they would tell you about working with, you know, some sort of a contractor coming in to do work on their house. And, you know, usually the communication aspect is one of the the big areas that that kind of fell short. Um, the other point that you mentioned, and, and I want to use this as kind of a segue into my next question for you. Um, you made the point of saying that, and you gave some examples, Pella, Renewal by Anderson. I mean, these are massive companies, right? Again, a lot of people would look at that and say, well, you know, how in the world could we come in and compete with these juggernauts as as a, you know, smaller emerging brand? But you made the point, look, we don't need to put our doors and windows in everybody's house, right? We just need a piece of that pie. And so I think understanding, you know, where you are in the category. So as you said, you're not the cheapest, you're not the most expensive. So, you know, A, understanding that, B, having a really good understanding of who your target customer is, you know, who's going to be most likely to see the value that you provide, be willing to pay more for that value compared to the lower cost options. And then, you know, who's, who's maybe not as likely because they are going to want to go for that name brand, that, that top tier. So talk to us a little bit about, you know, how you're able to, to help, 
you know, your franchisees with that piece of it, because that can be such a huge advantage to coming in to a franchise versus, you know, starting something on your own is just that, that knowledge of the the target customer and, and how to efficiently get in front of them. Sure. So, so what, what we're looking for is, um, it, it, you know, there's multiple different types of customers, right? So you've got everything from millennials to baby boomers. You've got folks in uh, for now home or in their forever home. Um, so what we've seen generally speaking is that, um, you know, we're going to, we're going to be looking at homes that are, that are, you know, give or take 20 years of age, um, or, or older doesn't necessarily have to be that, um, uh, so, so, so that's just kind of a, a general, uh, a general point. And then the age of the customer, right. is going to be typically 40, you know, 35 to 40 plus, um, we work with customers that are, you know, that are older where and how you advertise is going to be a factor in terms of, of, you know, the demographic of your customer and the age of their home. Naturally, if you're advertising in newspapers and things like that, you're going to skew to an older demographic, which we don't use. We don't use that, but, yeah. <laughs> but just, uh, just as an example, and, and then if you're on more digital and then there's obviously multiple different types of digital advertising. If you're on Instagram, you're going to skew a bit younger, uh, maybe in a Facebook group or something of the like, you might, you might just be dead in the middle of that. So, so that's what we focus on. And then we have a lot of different ways that we target customers also. So we might get a customer in a given neighborhood. We've got this really neat system where we can target all the homes around it within a certain zip code radius as well, both in some print mediums um, as well as some digital mediums. So, so that's something that's interesting because then you get the customer kind of softened up to your brand. They see a yard sign. They, they, you know, they might've, you know, they're going to recognize it and then they're going to see an ad. And then maybe a few weeks later, they also see a, uh, they get a, a, a mailer, you know, in the, in the mail, like a little postcard or something of the like. So, um, so there's, a, there's a lot of different ways to, uh, to look at that. And to your point, windows and doors carry a pretty large ticket in terms of, of home service, uh, home services generally. Yep. And, uh, and so you don't, you don't have to have a large number of jobs per month to have a pretty, a pretty nice business. So, uh, and that's, and that's different than, you know, and, and insulation is still the same way. Um, but it's, um, it's, it's, uh, is even smaller number of jobs on the windows and doors. Yeah, that's that's something that's really attractive about this type of a business to me. And you know, as I'm working through through my consulting process with someone, this is something we talk about quite a bit, right? Because depending on their situation, right, and what they're looking to accomplish through owning a franchise and and you know, how they want to go about accomplishing that, how quickly the business, you know, realistically can ramp up is really, really important, right? So, you know, if, if I'm working with someone that I know is not in a position to, you know, essentially start investing money and, you know, has a nine to 12 to, to 15 month runway to actually start seeing some revenue come in and, and start working towards a positive ROI, that'll eliminate a lot of brands out there that could be, you know, are great brands, but they're just not going to be the right fit for this individual that needs something that that really can ramp up quicker. So, you know, with something like Wallaby, you've got, you know, relatively low overhead, which I want to talk a little bit more about here in a minute. You know, obviously there's there's training and, and onboarding and things that a new franchisee needs to go through before they are ready to actually start operating the business. But you know, that can be done in a much shorter period of time than many other franchises out there, especially, you know, anything that's more of a brick and mortar type concept where you've got to find a storefront and maybe there's a remodel or a build out or something that that all of that has to go into place before you can even open your doors and, and be open for business. And then the average ticket, that's huge. I look at this very, very closely with all the brands that I work with. There's a lot of good businesses out there that have a much lower average ticket, but again, that Im impacts your your ramp up time. So I love a business where you know the average ticket is high enough that you know even if in your first month of business you can sell three or four jobs, 
that's a hell of a start, you know, for, for a brand new business. So sure. just wanted to kind of point out, you know, why that's so important from, from my eyes. If you're listening to this podcast, then there's a good chance that you're looking to create more freedom in your own life. There's also a good chance that you realize that owning your own business can be a great way to take more control of your livelihood and create more of that freedom that we're all looking for. Also, if you've been listening to the show for a while, you realize that I specialize in franchise ownership. In addition to owning franchise businesses myself, I have a franchise consulting firm, Path to Freedom, where I help people navigate what is typically an overwhelming process of understanding franchising, identifying specific franchise companies that could be a fit, and then conducting the due diligence in a thorough and efficient manner with those franchise brands. My whole purpose here is to leverage my experience working for franchisors, owning franchises myself, and how we've been able to use that to create more freedom in our lives and help you determine if that could be a path that makes sense for you as well. So if any of this sounds interesting, if you've considered business ownership in the past, whether you've explored franchising specifically or not, I'd love to connect with you. I'd love to learn more about you and what it is that you're working towards in your life and determine if I may be in a position to help. A great starting point is the link below in the show notes, which will take you to a short form to fill out and you'll receive a free copy of an ebook that I've put together, The Seven Steps to Freedom Through Franchise Ownership. That'll also get us connected and I'd love to set up an introductory call where I can explain a little bit more about the process that I use to help people determine if franchise ownership could be a great way to start charting their own path to freedom. So click the link below in the show notes, receive the ebook, and let's get connected. I'd love to hear from you. And I mentioned low overhead. So let's let's talk a little bit about kind of what the the typical structure of a franchisee's business, you know, should look like as they're launching. And then, you know, how should that kind of evolve as the business grows and scales? Sure. So with a, uh, with a, with a franchisee that's going to be involved in the business on a daily basis, uh, maybe they're going to be the salesperson or the install manager. Um, really that's, that's like one of the, the, the biggest benefits of, of Wallaby is the way we set this, this business up is you really only need two salaried employees because it's a subcontracted install model. So you have your, your salesperson to begin with, and then you have your install manager. Those positions are required. So for a franchisee that's going to be involved in the business daily, they can fill one of those roles. Uh, and then they lean on the, the contact center for setting the appointments, taking the incoming calls, things like that. So, uh, so that's, um, it's really pretty simple. And, and that makes obviously the, lo- the overhead very low. For a franchisee that's going to not work in the business, then they would just need to hire both of those positions, um, and and both of those positions are are W two, uh, you know, W two employees. So, um, and then you know that's you know that's really it from a staffing requirement, um, at least folks that you're going to have on your payroll. Now you'll have a subcontractor or two that you'll use to do your your installs. But that's mm-hmm. going to be an independent business owner, and so that's going to be a variable expense for right. the franchisee. So when they have a job that needs to be installed, they're paying the the cogs, the cost of goods, you know, for that uh, for that sale. Um, and and if they don't have a job that day or or that week that's being installed, then they're not paying that expense. So really low overhead, um, you know, overall. And, um, it, it just, you know, allows for, you know, someone to get started in a, you know, in a two or three territory configuration, uh, pretty easily. And in our experience, you know, when we, when we started our flagship location, um, so we're in a three territory configuration ourselves. So we operate in a, in basically 300 or excuse me, 600,000 in population. Okay. And, um, you know, we, uh, basically, I mean, so we, we lost a little bit of money our first two months and then we made money our third month. So our first quarter was basically break even, which was, which was amazing for, you know, a first year, first location business. Um, it's very amazing. Yeah. And then, you know, we never get there in the first place. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah. And then our second quarter, you know, we were profitable making money. Um, and so it was, uh, it, you know, it was really awesome to see. And, and, you know, in Florida, you've got hurricane season, for example. So naturally we saw sales slightly lower during, you know, during September. Um, and then we saw that same thing happen with impromptu, you know, hurricane Nicole that came through first, yeah. first week of November. Um, but, but overall, um, that's really the benefit of a, a low overhead, a low fixed overhead model is, uh, you know, your, your, your fixed expenses are, uh, are pretty light whenever you're not doing, you know, any sort of sales. Naturally you want sales, you want sales every day, every week, you want jobs being installed constantly. So yeah, you want to be paying that, that commission to your salesperson. <laughs> you want to be paying yep. your subcontractors. Cause that, that means you're working. Um, but you know, with the, the subcontractor model, not only does that keep your, your labor cost variable, but it's also more predictable, right? Because I, I, oh, and, and correct me if I'm, I'm wrong, but I assume you structure it as just some percentage of the total job amount that you're paying to the subcontractors or, or how is the, the compensation kind of structured for those guys? Yeah, great question. So windows are, are, are sold and, and basically sold and installed in terms of cost. So, so what we pay for window and, and what we pay to have that window installed is all based on unit inches. So, so yeah. unit inches of the, of the class. So just UI basically. Um, so when you're selling a window, you know exactly what your cost is going to be on that window and you know exactly what it's going to cost to have that window installed as well. So it's really, even though windows can be complex because there's so many different variations, you've got mm -hmm. different sizes and patterns and grids and opening styles and, and colors and you name it. I mean, there's, there's options. So that side of it is complex, but the actual sales and install cost side is pretty, pretty minimal. And we use this really wonderful technology that's actually connected to the manufacturer. So if we were to go try to put a certain window in a opening that was say too large, it would actually stop the salesperson before they actually quote that window for that opening, because it would tell them and notify them, Hey, this window doesn't work for this style of opening, so on and so forth. So, um, and with that system being connected to, you know, to the manufacturer, um, it reduces a lot of error and windows are every window basically is custom. Yeah. So you're, you're ordering that, that, uh, you're ordering and quoting that window for a specific opening. If it's wrong, it's wrong. If that window gets manufactured and so, you're eating, you're eating the cost, right? If, if yeah. the mistake was on, on your team's part, um, well, I love the, you know, for lack of a better term, dummy proof um, technology, you know, it, it sounds like I could even go out and, you know, if, as long as I got my measurements right, input everything and and get it right. So that's a good kind of litmus test on, you know, whether or not the technology is actually dummy proof or not. If if Wes can get it correct, <laughs> then chances are anyone else that, that you may bring onto your team um, would be as well. Uh, and that's something that that I do want to talk more about, too, is just technology and, you know, how you guys are leveraging that, because it's such a key part of differentiating yourself from competition and, and providing that better experience for for the clients. Um, but before we go there, I want to I want to have you address something, right, because, you know, you've already explained the fact that, you know, you're leveraging subcontractors for the install. And I know because of all the conversations I have with people about different types of businesses, for many people, the term subcontractor carries some pretty negative connotations and, and is a little bit scary or intimidating to think, hey, I'm going to get into this business, but then I'm going to be subcontracting out, you know, this key part of the process, right? Which, you know, as we're talking about Wallaby and customer experience, you know, whether the install goes smoothly or not is going to have a huge impact on, you know, at the end of the day, what that customer's experience is. So, you know, how have you guys, you know, kind of solved for that? How are you in a position to, you know, help your franchisees find and keep working with good subcontractors? Yeah, great, great topic. Uh, I had the same exact negative association with subcontractors 
when we started to really think through what the Wallaby model was going to be. And at first I was very much against it. And I said, because you can't control quality, I don't necessarily want to have my name associated with that. And yeah. um, so, so we started to really, you know, investigate and, and think through it. And, and we went down the path of actually having our own W2 installers with, you know, with our own rigs and tools and so on and so forth. And so, so that was just kind of part of the initial exploratory phase. And, and the reason why we ultimately landed on the subcontractor model was because we said we can tap into someone else's years of knowledge base. And if we go and, and hire folks on our own team that, you know, that have, that they may tell us they have that experience and, and, and they might, we're not necessarily going to know if that's good experience, if they picked up bad habits from yeah. someone else or not. And so having it as a subcontractor um, allows us really the, the, the big benefit that I see is it allows us to have the um, you know, the, the flexibility, right. So the, so the, the low fixed overhead um, and, and it allows us to really tap into someone else's knowledge base. And, and so it's worked out really well. Now, have we, have we turned over a subcontractor, meaning we started with one and, and changed. Yes, we have. Um, and we have, we actually have two different subcontractors that we work with now pretty consistently. Um, and, um, you know, it's been, it's been pretty good. Um, really, you know, we, we, we haven't had many, many issues and the way that we mitigate that, you know, that risk in terms of the, the you know, the customer experience is by having that install manager, that install manager yeah. is the person that's really setting the tone with the customer. They're essentially, lack of better terms, a, a, a really good, you know, coordinator and customer service representative. Yeah. So they're the ones that are contacting the customer. You know, letting Miss Susan Susan Smith know that we're going to be there on this day to be prepared. You know, so on and so forth for for you know the install. Uh, they're the ones that are letting them know how long the install is going to take. And essentially they're, they're there, you know, opening and closing the job each day. Right. So, so it's pretty, um, it's pretty easy uh, to, you know, to manage that, uh, that customer, you know, perception and, and make sure that the customer is just having a really good experience. If the installers, uh, you know, that are on site that day, let's say they, they leave a, you know, a caulk tube, you know, behind the, the flower bed or whatnot, it's not that big a deal for the install manager to come through and, and make sure that, um, you know, they're, they're picking that up. Um, and that's really the benefit of having, you know, subcontractors is, is you can use multiple subcontractors like we do. Yep. So we have, you know, on a, on a normal day, you know, we might have two, two different installs that are happening and we have two different subcontractors doing it. So, you know, if we know that, um, you know, that, that it's, it's, you know, there's going to be an issue or if it's a complicated job or whatever the case may be, you know, more complex than, than normal, then we can pick and choose which sub we want to use. Whereas if you have one install crew, yep. well, you know, you, you're sending your crew and you don't have that flexibility. So like with anything, right, there's pros and cons. Um, and, and it's all a matter of, of how you, you know, how you mitigate the risk and, 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 and here's the other thing. So like renewal by Anderson, for example, uh, as a competitor, they use subcontractors for their installation as well. So even though they sit at the higher end of the price point, they don't, they don't really differ too much in terms of, of the actual on the ground, you know, boots on the ground labor and, uh, and installation. Yeah, it, it makes a lot of sense. And, you know, I think a couple of other things from my experience, you know, if you're leveraging subcontractors is, um, you know, especially with you guys having this project manager or install manager, right. Is, is there, it, it, that makes it much easier to oversee quality, right? Not only are they there to, to, you know, make sure everything's going smooth on the customer's end and that they're getting the experience that you want them to have. But if you are having any quality issues, you're going to catch it you know, before it becomes a big problem, right? Whereas if you didn't have that that person there, you know, maybe someone's able to pop out to jobs, 
every now and then, but you know, you may have a subcontractor not doing the the quality work you expect them to. And you don't find that out until they've done five or six projects for you, you know? <laughs> so, so I, I think it's really, really smart to have that position, but you know, you're also not making as big of a commitment, you know, if you bring in a subcontractor, than if you go out and hire W2 employees, right. If, if a subcontractor right. is just not doing what you need them to do, it's as simple as just, you don't give them any more jobs. Right. But I think as yeah. business owners, there's this tendency, if you make the the time and the financial investment to bring someone onto your team, you know, to get them training to, you know, if it's, if we're talking, you know, a, a vehicle and, and a rig and all the type of stuff that would go with having your own W2 installers in this type of business, it, it makes it harder to get rid of someone if you don't feel like they're a good fit because you've got so much into it, right? Especially if there's sure. time into it, right? Because the thought of having to kind of go backwards and start over and hire someone else and get them up to speed. And so, yeah. you know, I think you end up with mediocre, mediocre people in, in some cases, whereas it's a lot easier to solve for that if you're dealing with subcontractors. And, and you mentioned this too, you can just scale much faster, right? I mean, this is one of the big differences in, you know, how you guys have Wallaby structured compared to Koala is, you know, you don't have to make the upfront investment in, you know, big expensive F-250s and, you know, these trailers and rigs that have all this sophisticated yep. equipment, which is fantastic, but it's also capital intensive, yep. right? And it also just makes it easier to continue to scale the business without having to keep you know, investing a lot of money into it. A hundred percent. And the other thing I wanted to mention is that, and we hear this often with Koala and look, Koala is a great model. I mean, it, you know, we've got folks that are doing extremely well with, you know, with that business. A lot of folks are doing really well with the business. Yeah. So, so it's just different. Yeah. Um, the thing is, is that uh, with, with, Wallaby with having, if, if it were to be a, a W2 installer model, then let's say you have, you know, two folks that you start with, you may not have a job for the first two weeks, three weeks, four weeks. Yeah. Well, you're not going to keep those people if they're not getting a paycheck and realistically yep. darn near a full paycheck. Yeah. And so it becomes a, 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 a real situation it becomes a real problem that you have to manage and we hear this um often with folks as well if i don't pay them even though i don't have a job that day if i don't pay them then i'm not going to keep them around very long and yeah. so with a subcontractor model you know they own you know they are their own business yep you know so so that also means you know they have other customers so you don't have to necessarily keep them busy every single day um, and, and, you know, you, you have that flexibility. So, um, so again, pros and cons, it's just different. We've yep. made it work. It's been, you know, it's been a really, really interesting exercise to go through. Uh, and, and quite frankly, I'm interested in, in applying this model to other home service industries as well, because it's worked out really, really well. And I would say in some instances, and I'd probably say most instances, it's actually worked out better than having our own W-2 employees. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I've shared this with you before, but the other franchise we own, Shelf Genie, is a subcontractor model for our installers as well as our, our designers, which are our salespeople. They're all strictly commissioned, right? Um, and, and I think, you know, it, any any business, right, one of the most critical components of success is finding and keeping good people, regardless of how you pay them, right? Because that's, you know, in the grand scheme of things, that's the big difference in what we're talking about here. W-2 versus 1099 is how you pay them. There's obviously other other differences, but that's that's the main thing, right? And, you know, if you can find the right people and set the appropriate expectations up front, I do believe there's a lot of advantages to a subcontractor model. And, you know, with your window crews that you're working with, same thing with our installers, it's it's really a business partnership, right? I mean, when we bring on a new installer, the expectations are, you know, look, you're running your own business, 
right? And we have guys that that have had their own business. I've got a firefighter, I've got a state trooper, and we've kind of, you know, had to coach them a little bit on like, look, you need to look at this as your own business, right? We are partnering with you. We're the sales and marketing engine. You're the, the install engine. But when you get someone that really understands that dynamic, then, you know, you're not having to micromanage, right? You've got you're dealing with another business owner versus an employee that you're having to constantly kind of provide direction to. So I, I think that's another big advantage as well. And, and you know, you can do this in a way that you don't have this kind of constant revolving door of contractors that you're working with. You can structure it in a way yeah. that as far as the client is concerned, it's Wallaby Windows coming out to do their install. It's Shelf Genie coming out to do their install. So um, you know, we've been able to to really build a good culture in our shelf genie business without having any former or formal employees. You know, we've got someone that's been with us for, you know, four and a half years. We've got someone that's been with us for three and a half years. I mean, it's not like we're constantly turning people over. There's always going to be some of that, right? Whether you're hiring sure. W2 or, or 1099, but it can be done. So anyways, I wanted to to make sure we talked about that a bit because I know, you know, that that does scare some people, you know, when they first hear it and, you know, hearing, you know, kind of from your perspective, how it's worked well, why it's worked well. Before we move on, just, you know, one other piece on on the recruiting part, because, you know, it, it probably is one of the biggest challenges in any business. You know, what are you guys at Wallaby HQ doing to to help new franchisees, you know, identify subcontractors that could be you know, a good fit for them, you know, even with finding the salespeople, you know, it's not the franchisor's responsibility to make hires for for any franchisee, but there are ways that you can assist. So what is what does that kind of sure. look like? We help by doing a number of things. We help with setting up, uh, you know, different job boards and, and, you know, recruiting mechanisms, recruiting mediums, so to speak. Um, we help by uh, putting together job descriptions. So we have standardized job descriptions that are available on the Wallaby library. And so those are editable, of course, for any specific market. Um, we have wage scales as well. So we have commission structures. Um, so, so we've got a lot of resources which are available just at the fingertips to all the franchise partners. But part of the process with, uh, you know, with our brands is we have recruiting support. So don't think of them as your outsourced recruiters. Uh, we're not making the hiring decisions or anything along those lines, but uh, but we can assist with you know with supporting a new business owner. We understand that it comes with the territory of of you know franchising as we work with a lot of first time business owners, and so there is a support resource at headquarters for a new franchise partner to you know to reach out to and say hey you know. What is it? What is it? What are the characteristics that I'm looking for in a person? Yeah. Right. Like what are, you know, what are the, the, maybe the mannerisms, what are past, you know, jobs that they've held that I should be seeking uh, so on and so forth. So, so those are all things that we assist with. Um, and then as far as subcontracting or subcontractor recruiting, we have some really good strategies in place that we've, that we've you know, tested in our, in our flagship location and, uh, and so we've actually, um, you know, made that systematic, uh, for all new franchise partners coming through that we're going to help with subcontractor recruiting in their local market. So, um, obviously not a guarantee that, you know, we're going to find the best subcontractor to do window and door installs from day one. Um, but nonetheless, um, it's, it's the tactics that we've used in our local market. Um, and, and it's been really, it's been really good. And so, um, and we really only turned over, you know, one subcontractor um, in in our market, and it was uh, it actually wasn't our first one. We still have the first one that we uh, that we started with. Um, it was actually the second one, and then uh, that we that we picked up as our secondary. They just weren't a good fit for us. They didn't have the same, you know, customer experience mindset that that we do. And so, um, and then we picked up a third one, and they've been amazing. Um, and so now we have two, uh, that we, that we work with very regularly. We get jobs done, you know, faster, which means we can take on more jobs. Our volumes have, have gone up. Um, so it's, um, yeah, it's, it's really awesome. 
Yeah, all that support is is huge, right? I mean, you know, sample job descriptions and and things like that may not sound like that big of a deal, but it's incredibly helpful, especially when you're just getting started. Um, you know, just being able to get examples, right? And like, you know, in a lot of cases, like with Koala, we've taken some of these resources and you know, tweak them a little bit, right? To to make it appropriate for our market or just you know how we. Are, are running things in our business, but the the starting point is there. It saves a ton of time. It saves a lot of guesswork, and and really, to just the experience over time of being able to say, hey, here's what you should really be looking for, you know, in a person for this position in the company, and here's where you know we and other franchisees have had success finding these types of people that's a game changer compared to just trying to figure it all out by yourself. And, you know, the other thing that I know has been very helpful for us with Koala is, you know, support and resources around when does it make sense to expand the team, right? And and maybe not quite as big of a deal in, in Wallabies, given everything we've talked about with subcontractors, but, you know, sometimes it's difficult to know as a business owner, like, hey, my, my revenue's here, when does it make sense for me to go out and start looking for another salesperson so we can, you know, up the ceiling sure. of of the revenue potential? So wanted to make sure you you had a chance to talk about recruiting support because that's something I know you guys do really well. So look, in in kind of the closing minutes of this, um, one of the things I really want you to have a chance to speak to is, you know, how you're able to leverage the experience and the success that you've had in building these other two brands. And, you know, now in particularly Koala, which you're still, you know, obviously an active owner of, uh, we've already talked a little bit about some of the synergy between Koala and Wallaby. So can you give us some examples of how you're already, you know, leveraging Koala and, and the experience that you have with that? And Wallaby and also, you know, looking out to the future as Wallaby continues to grow as a system, what are some other opportunities that, you know, you think you can can leverage everything you've built up to this point? Yeah, that's a that's a really, really great topic, actually. Uh, we I mean, <laughs> there's so many things that we're leveraging from Koala um, that the, just the time that it's taken to to rather the decrease time that it's mm-hmm. taken to be ready to quote franchise Wallaby um, versus the time that it took for Koala. Uh, just, and even though I had prior franchise experience prior to Koala, it was different experience. Mm-hmm. I was in a B2B service world rather than a B2C service world. And that's a big, uh, that's a big difference. Yep. And, and quite honestly, one that I, I underestimated a, a bit. Um, so, uh, just some, just some, you know, quick things though, that we're able to leverage, um, software is a big component. Um, our, our internal, uh, franchise or, you know, management system is, uh, is awesome. We've been able to, you know, from day one, have that at Wallaby. So, so that's really exciting. Uh, we've expanded on that. We're continuing to, to push new code on that, um, constantly, uh, just people, right? So, so the people that we have at Koala that have already, you know, been through these things, having worked with early, uh, you know, franchise partners at Koala, um, and just being able to solve problems for those folks before they're even a problem, um, is, is just amazing. And so essentially what you get with, you know, with, with running, you know, these, the, like running a, a sister brand, if you will, is essentially you get a whole team of of people of subject matter experts that have already been there done that and it doesn't mean that we're taking anything away from koala because koala is still getting the same if not better support right um because now you've got you know folks that have that have great experience but that is allowing us to get that same sort of uh support at wallaby from you know from day one uh so that's probably the biggest you know, the biggest, uh, benefit and differentiator, uh, that I've, uh, you know, that I've seen in terms of being able to, to leverage and, and we're adding people, of course, we're not just using the same exact people. Right. Um, but it's, it's that, that starting point, right. Where you've already got, you know, people on your team that 
our experience now, you know, working as a franchisor and supporting franchisees because, you know, it doesn't really matter what the business is. I mean, there's definitely differences, like you said, between B2B, B2C, but, you know, best practices when it comes to supporting franchisees are are really going to be the same, you know, across the board in most cases. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, sure. it's, it's, um, it, it's huge if you've already got, you know, some of the technology and software and, and personnel, uh, it's just going to help yep. you ramp up much quicker. And it's, it's going to result in, you know, these early adopters of Wallaby getting in, you know, it's not going to necessarily look and feel like an emerging franchise because of all of that. So, sure. you know, that's huge. Um, I know you've been able to leverage, um, you know, some of the relationships that you've built with Koala with different vendors uh, to to help on the Wallaby side as well. Talk a little bit about that because, you know, without Koala and the track record that you're able to point to, you know, with other manufacturers that, that you know, Koala does a lot of volume with, you know, you've been able to kind of take that and, and go to manufacturers or vendors in the, the window space and say, look, this is where we're going. Um, yep. and, and they've been able to, to, I guess, maybe welcome you in a, in a warmer fashion because of that. Yes, absolutely. So it was a little tougher, a little more challenging with Koala because we only had a, a non-home service brand to point to that mm-hmm. didn't have, you know, nearly the scale that Koala has. And so with Wallaby, you know, we've just really been able to, to leverage that. So um, we work with the largest window and door manufacturer in the, in the country. Um, and, and they really took us on with open arms and they normally don't start talking to, uh, you know, to brands, to window and door installers until they're buying 30, 40, 50 million plus dollars worth of windows and doors per year. Wow. Um, and so they, they took us on from almost from day one and said, let's, uh, you know, let's talk. We want to be your partner. You know, we see, we see what you've done in the insulation space. Let's, uh, let's get on this, you know, path. Let's get on this path together early. Uh, we want to be, you know, we want to be there to support you guys from day one. So it's, um, that's been wonderful. Um, we've been able to, to, to leverage that as well as distributors, uh, similar to insulation, you know, windows and doors are, are manufactured, um, you know, pr- throughout the country, but they still require, you know, distribution and, and logistics. And so we've been able to, uh, to work through that. We've got some, some wonderful distributors that have also heavily leaned into the partnership early. Um, and, uh, and they're providing some really great resources to our franchise partners, uh, which again, a lot of those things wouldn't really be available until the, the company was a lot older. So, um, and, and just a lot more established. And that's just, you know, the main product vendors. There's, right. we have a whole roster of vendors uh, that we work with everything from insurance agents to, you know, to, to different marketing vendors and, and software providers and, and, you know, so on and so forth. So um, that's just really, you know, we've been able to tap into that from that whole roster from day one. And so, um, it's just, you know, that, that, that list just keeps getting deeper and, and, and also we're refining it, which is what's, mm. what's really nice. So yeah. you know, we've had vendors that, uh, were great when we first got going, they were able to handle, you know, 10 or 12 different franchise locations. And then as they started to, you know, service 20, 30, 40, they couldn't handle it. And so we've had to, to shift. Um, and in some of those instances, it's just a capacity issue. So doesn't mean that they're a bad vendor, just means that, uh, you know, they have a limitation. Um, and so we have to provide additional vendors to work with. And some of those items, you know, we've kind of decided to start pulling, you know, and, and doing at a, at a corporate level rather than using a vendor at all, yeah. uh, where, where it makes sense. So, um, and, and that's the other benefit that we get now is that we have more scale ourselves. And so we can, whereas before it might not have made sense for us to have, you know, a specific team member um, that's on our payroll to help with X, Y, or Z. But now with scale, 
we do have that capability, that flexibility to, to, you know, to do that. So, um, it's, uh, it's, it's interesting. It's, uh, it's been a lot of fun to make this transition and go from, uh, you know, a one, a one brand to, you know, to now two brands and, and, you know, we've got a third and, and fourth kind of, uh, in the wings. So, um, so it's really exciting. Scott Moore enterprises, right? <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I don't think that's officially trademarked yet. No, No, it's (laughs) definitely not. I'm going to, I'm going to have to talk to, uh, to the nice young lady that, uh, that deemed our platform name that. Yeah. That's (laughs) hilarious. Um, and, and just real quickly, and, and then we'll wrap this up, but, um, national accounts too, you've done a phenomenal job creating some huge national accounts. I don't know if you're able or want to share the names of any of those, but listeners will, will definitely recognize them. But I mean, that's another example of where you're already able to leverage Koala to, to, you know, get some of these national accounts in place for Wallaby at a much, much earlier point in the game than you typically would be able to. Sure. Yeah. It's, um, that's a really exciting topic in koala because koala has the scale and uh we we've built some wonderful relationships and we're working with with many different you know retailers in the home service space that um they they see the opportunity with koala they see the opportunity with wallaby and again they're wanting to jump on board early and so we're seeing almost a a one-to-one crossover um, in terms of the national partnerships that work with Koala want to work with Wallaby. So, so we're, we're really excited about what that opportunity looks like just a little bit further down the road here, as we start to, you know, get some scale and, and get different, uh, you know, different locations opened up under, under the Wallaby brand. So really exciting. And, and I was doing some, just some quick math the other day and, and, um, it looks like there's, there's about over 7,000 retail locations of the, uh, of the national partners that, uh, that we're working with. So that's going to be a lot of outlets to, you know, to be able to sell product, you know, through and, um, yeah. So it's really exciting. Yeah, it is exciting. Um, for sure. And, and look, all of this is examples. You made the point earlier in the conversation that, you know, you're full aware, you know, as you go to build a business under a franchise model, the franchisees are going to have, fees and expenses that a lot of their competitors may not have, right? Especially if they're not also, you know, operating under a franchise model. And a lot of people, you know, almost kind of write franchising off without really giving it a whole lot of fault because, you know, there's fees that that you may not have outside of a franchise. But, you know, what I tell everyone I work with is like, look, it's it's an equation. You've just got to look at it very formulaic. You obviously need to understand, you know, what is it going to cost me to become a franchisee? What is it going to cost me on an ongoing basis to be a franchisee? But then you also need to really understand what am I getting in exchange for that? Right. And, you know, when franchising is done right, franchisees should pretty clearly be able to see that they're actually in a position, not everyone capitalizes on it, but they're in a position to come out net better you know, because they're a franchisee with this particular brand versus going out and and trying to figure it out on their own. So, you know, these relationships that you've been able to develop with manufacturers and distributors, you know, all of that, especially over time as the scale continues to increase, you know, that's going to put franchisees in a position where their their costs are probably a little bit lower because they're a Koala franchisee or a Wallaby franchisee. Um, these national accounts, right? The point of all of that is to increase brand awareness and drive business to franchisees in their local markets that, you know, there's a good chance they wouldn't have had the opportunity to otherwise, right? So just really good examples of where when franchising is done right, even though, yeah, you may be paying five, six, 7% of your revenue back to the franchisor, there's, there's a ton of value that's created in that. And that's not even talking about, you know, decreasing the learning curve and the value that comes from having a network of other franchisees operating the same business as you. So, um, sure. Wanted, wanted to kind of point that out, but, um, kind of quickly in, in wrapping this up, uh, really appreciate you making time to do this. Um, Scott, 
Scott kind of helped me out on calling an audible here. Here, I texted him yesterday and was like, dude, I need to get a podcast out. So um, appreciate you uh, bailing me out. Yeah. But um, look, man, I'm excited about your your next venture. Um, you know, love being a part of the Koala system and, uh, you know, look forward to con- continue, uh, you know, seeing what you're building here with uh, unofficially Scott Marr Enterprises. <laughs> Um, but Hey, look, where can people learn more about Wallaby or Koala insulation for that matter? Where can people connect with you? We'll put all of this in the show notes along with the the previous episode we did on Koala. Sure. Obviously you can go to, to either of our websites, uh, koalainsulation.com or wallabywindows.com. Uh, both of those have a franchise opportunities webpage as well. So, so you can easily navigate to that. Um, LinkedIn is always a good, uh, a good place for either of those. So feel free to go and follow us on, on LinkedIn. Um, and they're pretty simple, just both, uh, Koala insulation and, and Wallaby windows. So no, uh, no funny spelling or anything like that. So, um, and of course they can always reach out to you if they want to learn more about either of the brands. Absolutely. Absolutely. Scott, thank you so much, man. Really appreciate you making time to be here with me. And hey, thanks for everything you're doing, you know, building these amazing brands and supporting the franchise owners like you are. So uh, keep up the good work and look forward to seeing Wallaby grow just like Koala has. Awesome. Thanks for having me on, Wes. You got it. That's a wrap. Thanks for joining me today and be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you'll know when a new episode is released. You can also check me out on my website at www.path2frdm.com. And if you want more information about franchising or just want to say hello, feel free to contact me at Wes at Path2FRDM.com. Thanks again. Now go drop in.